We're doing a series on the Beatitudes and they've been called the Constitution for the Kingdom of God. And today we're up to the second Beatitude and it is, Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, when you read that verse, when you say that verse, you think to yourself, that's such a ridiculous saying. It sounds like a contradiction. Mourning is a time when we are filled with grief and distress. So how can we be happy? Why would anyone think that mourning and sorrow is the key to happiness? There's another version of the Bible called the, mes the Message. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it puts it this way. It says, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Amen. Jesus tells us in the Bible that no person can serve two masters. Those who truly surrender to God will grieve about what's happening in the world around us. Those who take up their cross and follow Jesus Christ will receive God's comfort in this world. And the Greek word for comforted is parakaleo, which also means a cry for help. Crying out to God in prayer and being encouraged and comforted in our times of sorrow. And that same word, parakleo, forms the basis of the word paraclete, which is the word that is used for the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter. When we enter into the kingdom of God, when we become a believer in Jesus, God sends us the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Darkness, gloom and despair flee in the light of his presence. The Holy Spirit encourages us and leads us into all truth. In John 14 verse 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Imagine having the power of God in your life, the Holy Spirit in your life that can lead you like that. And in John 8 verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you want to know what the truth is in life? There's so many lies out there. There's so much deception. And so when the Holy Spirit shines truth into our hearts, a transformation takes place in our lives. And so these Beatitudes, they form a progression. And we learned the last step last week when we found that blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a realisation that comes into our lives when we realise that we have a deep need for help, for God's help in our lives. The first step is to recognise our need for God's help in our lives. 
The second step is into the place where we come to God for comfort in our time of need. You know, there's many, many reasons why people mourn. Many of us know what it is to mourn over personal loss. Perhaps you've grieved the loss of a parent, a child, a close friend. Others have grieved over the loss of a job or a personal rejection, a fallout with a good friend or the loss of your health. Many parents are in grief over the rebellion of their children. Yet the good news is that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus quoted Isaiah 61 verse 1 where he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The second source of mourning is over things in life that are out of our control. You know, there's a problem in our world today in that we have become desensitized to the problems and difficulties in this world. We've seen so many bloated stomachs of starving children in Africa that we're no longer moved by their tragic situation. We've been so desensitized by violence on TV that we view human life as cheap. Jesus grieved over this world. He became angry and upset. And on two occasions it says that Jesus wept, that Jesus cried for what he saw in this world. Some people believe that it's not very Christian to show sadness and grief. Yet here Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The reason those who mourn are blessed is because God's comfort is available to each of them. Our grief and our sorrow drive us to God himself, the God of all comfort. We're blessed when we reach the end of ourselves, where God can step into our situation and bring us comfort. But it's very difficult to seek God when we're in that place of sorrow. When we grieve, sometimes it's God who we're most angry with. Why did he let it happen? Why have we reached this place where we've got so few options? Some people experience a dark night of the soul, but in that moment, they can feel the comfort of the Lord. God is a real and present help to all who cry out to him in their time of need. Brian Zand puts this beatitude this way. He says, Blessed are the depressed who mourn and grieve, for they create space to encounter comfort from another. If our goal is to walk through this life without mourning, then God has very little to say to us. 
But as we cry out to God in our prayers, we will be comforted by his comfort in our times of sorrow. Sorrow is a necessary consequence of loving other people and being close to people. We can go through life minimising our pain and avoiding sorrow as much as possible. But if we live like this, we will become very shallow people. Compassion means shared suffering. Without it, we can become a hardened, self-serving people. It's through grief and compassion that we carve a depth into our souls and create a space that can be filled with comfort from God and other people. As we make room for grief, we encounter the comfort that the kingdom of God brings to us. You know, culture is made up of all those things that we learn when we don't know that we're learning them. We can cultivate a culture of denial in our lives, whereby everything has to be good for us. Today, happiness seems to be society's highest goal. Many want to avoid the sorrow of grief. People delay funerals so that people will show less emotion. Our soul can become a bleak, featureless wasteland, devoid of all emotion. When this occurs, our soul struggles to receive and to give true comfort and joy to others. We anaesthetize our soul with entertainment and we live our lives in denial. When we are contented, we are less likely to look at needs beyond our own and have less time for those people who are suffering in life. We can easily become hard-hearted and not express any negative emotions at all. We may even look down on the sorrowful people and feel that they need to harden up and pull themselves together. If we remain a stranger to sorrow, it's virtually impossible to have compassion. It's through grief that compassion and sensitivity are nurtured in our lives. Have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Comfort from God can come to us via other people. We can be the Lord's representative to comfort people in their time of sorrow and need. Through our sorrows, we learn how to empathise so that we can understand other people in their grief. When we learn how to receive God's comfort into our own life, then we also are able to comfort other people in their lives. We may never have engaged in real grief. 
Maybe we've just attended the funeral of an elderly grandmother or a great aunt. People who've had a great life and are ready to go. Our culture feels that somehow we are exempt from sorrow and mourning. We're rich. We live in one of the most desirable countries in the world. We have free medical care, good health and safety policies, good law and order. Tragedy should only happen in countries like Somalia, Rwanda and Haiti, but not in New Zealand. The tragedies suffered in Christchurch were small on the wider world scale of things. 50 people can die in a developing country and barely get a mention on the world news. So how do we mourn? Why would we? When we think that we are immune to sorrow. I walked through the Topor Cemetery on Wednesday, reading the tombstones. There was so much tragedy, loss, and disappointment in that place. We drive past the cemetery imagining that we will never mourn, pretending that we don't know that death is the backdrop to all human existence. We strive to ignore our pain and deny our sorrow. A people addicted to pleasure and schooled in denial. In some respects, the earthquake and shootings in Christchurch have been a reality check to each of us. Yet the wounded in our society are everywhere, most enduring a fear-based denial. We pretend not to know about their hurt because it's an inconvenient truth. Prosperity teaching in churches cultivates a deep, cheap, shallow, happy-clappy church culture that refuses to see grief and mourning as a necessary ingredient of the people of God. It can result in a facade of happiness. We may feel we need to prove the good news of the gospel by demonstrating a fake joy. I can't go to church today because I'm not happy enough. There's a mistaken idea that somehow it is our Christian duty to be happy at all times. Years ago, people were comfortable talking about death. Now we've become, a, become creative in the ways we avoid talking about it. Our generation has trivialised death and uses euphemisms to soften the blow. There's an ad on TV for funeral insurance, and they use euphemisms like when you've kicked the bucket, when you're pushing up daisies. You know, God is the giver and taker of life. But euthanasia will enable us to bring death forward to a more convenient time for each of us. Instead of weeping with those who weep, as it says in Romans 12 verse 15, we feel the need to cheer everyone up. Maybe not for their sake, but because we're uncomfortable with grief. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also want to rejoice with those who weep. Mourning is something to be shared. 
grieving needs to take place. Maori and Polynesian people in this country deal with grief way better than we do. People left to grieve on their own often find it overwhelming and can sink down into a pit of despair. Just over a year ago, I gave the sermon at the funeral of my first granddaughter. I knew it would be a struggle for me to get through that without breaking down. All that expectation, hope and joy that was suddenly lost. But I believed that the Lord had given me a word to share, a word that would be an encouragement to the other people that were grieving with us. This Thursday, this week, I fly to Melbourne to visit my new granddaughter Harriet in Torquay, Australia. Can we be a church that understands that mourning is not a sign of weakness? Can we allow space in our church for those who are mourning without pressurising them to get over it or to cheer up? Mourning creates room for comfort and leads to a blessed comfort that comes from our Lord. The Psalms are filled with mourning, lament and the outpouring of sorrow. Over time, we can embrace the comfort and hope that comes from being in the kingdom of God. This is a word this morning for all those who have personal grief in your life. Blessed are those who are mourning and grieving and sorrowing amongst us this morning. Blessed are you, for you are creating space to receive comfort from another. You are creating space in your soul that God intends to fill with his blessings and his joy. Let's stand and pray together. Lord, we stand with each other this morning. We find it difficult to explain the problem of sickness, evil, suffering and death. But we remember your suffering upon the cross and how you suffered for us. That there is life in all its fullness for those who put their trust in you. We pray that you will comfort those who mourn and that we also will love and care for them. We pray that your comfort will come to us in this place, even in this very moment. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.